0: society 13 podcast network redefining podcasts do you like to listen
1: hey this is josh wood and i'm one of the administrators of the spooktacular crew and a proud executive producer of the history ghost bump podcast did you know that history ghost bump is entirely supported by listeners For as little as $1 a month, you can help keep the podcast free of advertisements by helping to cover the hard costs associated with production and storage space. If you enjoy the podcast like I do, please consider supporting the show and becoming an executive producer. Just go to HistoryGoesBump.com and click the Support the Show tab. Oh, and there's uh, one thing I've always wanted to do. Denise, if people want to send feedback, where can they do that? They're going to do that at HistoryGoesBump at gmail.com. Awesome.
2: Hello, you spectacular people! Welcome to this one hundred and seventy seventh episode of the History Ghost Bump Podcast. Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host Diane, and this is Denise. Today we have an epic episode for everybody. We are featuring haunted Virginia City, and we are going to look at several locations. These were all suggested to us by several of our listeners: Tara Williams, Case, Jenny Justine, Pamela Ennis, and Anna Freas have all suggested these.
1: And the cool thing is, is three of them were able to help us put together this podcast.
2: Indeed. For those of you who are executive producers, and before I jump into this, Denise, did you like Josh's intro there?
1: I sure did. Yeah. I really liked it. <laughs> and he, he he got permission after the fact, but that's still okay.
2: <laughs> I thought that was cute that that's something he's been dying to do. So for our executive producers, as I was saying, you guys already heard about this because one of the bonus casts that we did this month features an extended interview with Anna Frius, who's joining us for the show today. And we had explained to everybody what you're supposed to be hearing is a round table. I thought, wow, wouldn't this be cool if we could get all of these people who suggested these locations and have been to them together in one group setting to talk about these different places?
1: So what are you trying to get like spooks of the round table? Well, remember when we did the Halloween special? Yes, it was. And we had fun. a round
2: table that was a lot of fun. I want to do that again this year with a lot of other podcast hosts. So the best laid plans of mice and men, as they say, we were supposed to have everybody together, but there was no way scheduling wise we could do it. So We knew we were going to have Tara separate from everybody else because she's a truck driver. That's what she and her husband do. So when you hear Tara coming up on this episode, they're inside the cab of their truck doing the interview,
1: (laughs) which is very fun and very cool.
2: (laughs) It is. But we thought we were going to have three other women with us for the roundtable. We had it all planned. It was all set up. And then for those of you who live in Northern California, you probably remember what happened a couple of weeks ago. You got just a little bit of rain. (laughs) A little bit. So what ends up happening is about 10 minutes before we're all supposed to get together. One of the women who was going to join us was Susan Bernard, and she is part of Shadow Seekers of Nevada, and she's very experienced with Virginia City. She sends me a message on Skype and says, um, I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. We've gotten so much rain that I'm, and she throws a picture out at me, sandbagging <laughs> and her property was getting flooded. So they literally were putting down sandbags. I said, yes, yeah, save your property. No big deal. We'll do it some other time. So then we had Pamela Ennis and Anna Frias set up to join us for the roundtable. And you guys will recall that Pam joined us for the USS Hornet episode. And she is the case manager of Pacific Coast Watch. And then Anna Frias, many of you probably know very well from the Spooktacular crew. She's a paranormal investigator with Proof Paranormal, which stands for Paranormal Research of Otherworldly Forms. She's also co-owner and artist of Two of Imps, which you should check out over on Etsy. Lots of great stuff there. Well, then I get a message from Pam and she's telling me, well, everything's on schedule, but we are on the train and it's we're running a little bit late, but I, I should be fine.
1: She turned into Gilligan's Island.
2: Yeah. So we tried to get a hold of her and we couldn't get her and we couldn't get her. And finally, she she picked up the phone and she's like, "Uh, guess where I am. And we're like, what? She's like, I'm still on the train. She's like, it was basically supposed to be a three hour tour. And she was eight hours on the train so far. So we were calling it the SS Minnow train. But every time they went through a tunnel, we'd lose her. And it was happening a lot. So you're going to hear at the beginning, we're going to have Pam and Anna together and then we're going to lose Pam and have her separate. So we ended up having to do three separate interviews to put this episode together for you guys. And what I have tried to do is edit it together as best as I can so that all of the locations are in the same section together. So if it sounds a little weird to you, that's probably why. So we just pulled back the curtain. We showed you how professional we are. But I think you're really going to enjoy this we had a great time talking to these ladies we got a lot of information and a lot of really creepy and spooky stories to tell you that are personal experiences that they've had
1: yes now that's the made-up story but the real truth is is the reason why it sounds a little bit weird is there was some paranormal anomalies happening while we were trying to tape and so it's kind of that's the weirdness you'll really get but Diane just
2: wanted to soften that I think you're pulling their legs, Denise. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Before we jump into all that, we want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, George. Hey, George. Tom, who spells his name T-H-O-M. Hey, Tom, T-H-O-M. Nathan. Hi, Nathan.
1: Carrie with an I. Hello, Carrie with an I. And Amy. Hello, Amy. And now we have our moment in oddity.
2: Tootsie Rolls have been a loved candy for decades, particularly when it comes to American troops. It was during World War I that the Defense Department started shipping the candies and rations. They were perfect because they didn't melt like chocolate, but were soft and chewy. They also were unaffected by cold or rough handling. They also could be used to save lives. The Korean War was raging in November of 1950 when a combat team made up of British commandos, South Korean policemen, and United States soldiers and marines, numbering 15,000, was pinned down by 10 divisions of the Chinese Communist Army that totaled 120,000 men. The area where they were trapped was near a mountain reservoir named Changjin, and the temperatures there ranged from minus 5 degrees below zero in the day to minus 35 degrees below zero at night. The men were freezing and their jeep batteries froze and split. The ground was so frozen that no encampments could be built for the artillery. Blood plasma was frozen as was the morphine. And even worse, so were the rations. The men began to starve and high command wrote them off as a loss knowing the situation was hopeless. The Marines sent a final request to be resupplied with 60mm mortar ammo. They were nearly out and the mortars were the only thing holding back the Chinese. The code for 60mm mortar ammo was Tootsie Rolls. Whoever passed the request on or whomever filled it sent the Tootsie Rolls rather than the ammo. Imagine how discouraged the Marines were when they opened the crates that had fallen from the sky by parachute, expecting to find ammo and instead finding candy. But then they realized that they could eat the Tootsie Rolls and it gave them much needed energy. They also realized as they chewed the candy that it was very pliable. And when exposed to the freezing air, it hardened. It was the perfect putty, if you will, to repair leaks and radiators and gas tanks and plug bullet holes in fuel drums. They managed to push to the sea on the energy of the candy. They suffered 9,000 casualties in that fight with 3,000 men dying. Survivors credited Tootsie Rolls for their survival. The fact that Tootsie Rolls helped save the lives of so many men certainly is odd.
1: This history podcast is haunted.
2: And now, this month in history.
1: In the month of January, on the 21st in 1954... The Nautilus, which is the first commissioned nuclear submarine, launches. A group of scientists and engineers at the Naval Reactor's Branch of the Atomic Energy Commission developed a nuclear propulsion plant. Based on successful tests there, Congress authorized construction of the world's first nuclear-powered submarine in July of 1951. President Harry S. Truman laid the kill at the electric boat shipyard in Groton, Connecticut on June 14, 1952. It would take 18 months for construction to complete on the submarine. First Lady Mamie Eisenhower broke the traditional bottle of champagne across Nautilus's bow on that 21st day in January. A year later, the first commanding officer, Commander Eugene B. Wilkinson, ordered all lines cast off and sent the famous message, Underway on Nuclear Power. Nautilus would go on to shatter speed and distance records. In 1958, Nautilus accomplished the impossible by reaching the geographic North Pole. Nautilus was decommissioned in 1980 and designated a National Historic Landmark in 1982. Today she is a submarine museum in Groton, Connecticut and is visited by 250,000 visitors a year. The Virginia City National Landmark is one of the nation's largest historic districts and includes over 500 buildings dating to the time of the Great Bonanzas, from 1859 to 1880. John Mackey was an industrialist who formed a partnership with three other Irishmen and operated silver mines on the Comstock Lode. They hit it big in 1873 when they discovered the Big Bonanza. That find built Virginia City and kept it on the map for the next two centuries. We will be discussing the history and hauntings of the Suicide Table, Silver Queen, Bucket of Blood Saloon, St. Mary's Art and Retreat Center, and the Mackie Mansion, with Tara Williams Case, Anna Frias, and Pam Ennis. How are you, ladies?
2: You. Hello. Fine, find you. Great. Well, well, the reason why we have you guys on is you have been to Virginia City and you've done some investigations there and you've made suggestions about (laughs) locations there. And so who better to talk to than people who have actually been there? First, I wanted to ask Anna, what got you interested in the paranormal?
4: I grew up in a haunted house. Well, I just think it's our family, but we have a history of hauntings with our family and whatever it is follows us from house to house. And I just became interested to find out what it was or what it is or, you know, and it's just something I've just always been fascinated by. And how long has your group been together? We actually started off as another group and then we made our own. So about in 2011, we were part of GARP and then we became our own group called Proof Envy because there's, I guess there's several other proofs out there. we weren't that imaginative with our (laughs) logo yeah we've uh, there's a good group of us there's about almost 10 of us and
3: uh we travel throughout the southwest
2: very cool tara how are you Uh,
3: i'm not too bad i'm hoping i don't lose service we're in the middle of wyoming
2: oh okay well you know if it happens it happens we'll be okay how many times have you guys been to virginia city
3: i've only been twice my husband and i went there on our honeymoon in 2015 and then we went in September of this year.
4: For me personally, I've been there twice okay. and stayed there for several days each time.
3: And Pam, how many times uh,
4: have
0: you
2: been to Virginia City?
0: Well, I was raised in uh, Fallon, Nevada, and so as a kid, we used to go there all the time. But as an adult, I've probably been there six or seven times over the last four or five years. Oh wow! Because every time I every time I go, I get something new, and I just it's one of my favorite places to investigate.
2: Could I have you, Pam, just describe for people the main area there when you're walking into Virginia City? What are people going to see visually?
0: It looks like an old West Coast town. As you drive in, you'll see saloons and you'll see old 1860 hotels. And there's a, a place called the Piper Opera House. It's up on a hill lots of old mansions. It's, uh, just driving through it takes you back into the mid-1800s. It's a fascinating place full of lots and lots of history. Mark Twain lived there, John Mackey, the Silver Baron.
2: Hey, so is there a location that is your favorite there? Oh my gosh, I just love the
4: whole town. I'm trying to think. I would have to say St. Mary's is my, well, no, the Mackey Mansion.
0: Oh man, those are two really, really great places uh, to investigate also i like the washoe club and we actually did an investigation that was really interesting over in the knights of Pythias building that we got some excellent evidence and actually in the end we ended up leaving because it was just a little too overwhelming so like i said i think there are more dead people in virginia city than living ones <laughs> 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 the
4: cemetery is great
0: Oh, oh, but the catch with the cemeteries is because they've had so many vandals that uh. you can't go in after 8 o'clock. We've done in the past is actually set up an investigation before daylight savings time so that we can get in there and do a little investigating
2: after dark. But they've had some, uh, they have phantom lights. Do you have any experience with the Silver Queen at all?
0: Oh, yeah, we spent, we spent the night in the Silver Queen. My husband had never been to uh, Virginia City. And so one weekend I conned him into um, going up there. Now, my husband is, he likes to say that he's our location manager. But what he does is I tell him where we're going and he drives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's my job too. That's a good
2: way to manage. And
0: there we go. And so what happened was I'd taken him up there and this was before we actually started PCSW. I hadn't really... I've always been interested in paranormal investigating, but I had never really done it. And so we had went into the Silver Queen, and it's, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the Captain and Tennille. Yes. But they were married in the Silver Queen. Okay. And we had went into where they, you know, where they got married and look at the little, the little uh, wedding chapel in there. And there's a beautiful portrait of the
3: Silver Queen.
1: What does the Silver Queen look like?
3: She stands fifteen feet tall. Her whole dress is made out of silver dollars. There's thirty-two hundred and sixty-one silver dollars, which equal the amount of feet that the um, combination mine—how deep the combination mine was—and then she has twenty-eight twenty-dollar gold coins as her belt on the dress and then her necklace and her bracelets are made out of silver dyeing wow yeah she's a painting but her whole dress all her jewelry is all real coins
1: that is super cool
3: it's a beautiful bar
0: on the inside and we're just sort of absorbing and these two um 20 year olds come running down the stairs and they're at the uh, check-in desk and they say wow that was awesome. You know, I'm so glad we spent the night. This place is truly haunted. Well, the next thing he knew, I was paying for a night in the Silver Queen. <laughs> I said, honey, let's stay in the Silver Queen. Now, he likes his, he likes his, I'd like to say, 20th century uh, accommodations. He likes the air conditioning. He likes the TV, and he likes the phone. Uh-oh. Of which there are none <laughs> in the Silver Queen. mhm.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So we, we get upstairs and it, and for the most part, the rooms look just like they did back in the 1860s. Wow. Uh, it's got the transom over the top. There is no air conditioning. There are no, there's no phone, no TV. So we had turned off, we turned off our cell phones because you weren't, it's high enough that you don't get much reception up there. And we turn the phones off and put them on the, put them on the table and we're lying on the bed going, okay, now what do we want to do? The phones started, the phones literally rang.
3: And you were them off.
0: <laughs> and we had turned them off. And I looked at him and he looked at me and we went, okay, hmm, that's interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so we had that experience. We had, um, I worked with someone who uh, had gotten married on New Year's Eve and they got married in the Silver Queen and they spent the night there. Now, I think it's room 13, but don't quote me, is where a prostitute killed herself in the bathtub she slit her wrist. Okay. And the story goes that people will will hear water running or you'll hear somebody giggling. Well, they'd had their two dogs with them, which is generally not a I I don't think he was thinking at the time, but it's not good to take animals on investigations. They're very sensitive. He left a digital recorder in the room. They went, uh, after the wedding, they went downstairs to have dinner with their, you know, with some of their friends. And what happened was when they went back to listen to the recorders later, you could hear water running in the bathtub. You could hear somebody giggling. And then the next thing you heard was the dogs whimpering.
2: Wow, the trifecta.
0: <laughs> and so they they did get evidence of something going on in that room. The Silver Queen is a, another one of the great locations to go ahead. And and the and the prices are reasonable too. I think it costs us like $65 to spend the night there. Now granted it like I said it doesn't have a whole lot of amenities, but you're not spending the night there if you're looking for 20th 21st century comfort.
2: Oh, exactly. And I mean, that's a great price because even, you know, a downtown and a shady kind of place is going to be more than that. Wow, that's great. Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: It's right next to Piper's Opera House, which is another location up there that's been known to be uh, a great hotspot to go investigate. So, I, like, almost every place in the, in the town is a hotspot.
2: Well, on the Silver Queen, I found this on TripAdvisor. This is from 2009, posted by San Diego Rosie, and she wrote, My husband and I just celebrated our 20-year anniversary and we decided we wanted a little adventure. We both had watched the shows on TV that featured the Silver Queen Hotel in Virginia City and remembered that the program said that the place was haunted, so we made midweek reservations for a stopover between Vegas and Reno. We got a room above the bar facing the street. Upon arriving, we found the room was very old-fashioned, comfortable, and we felt like we were in the times of the Old West. After our long drive up from Las Vegas, we were tired and decided to take 40 winks before dinner. During our nap, we heard voices of a family, a couple of kids, and a woman. We thought nothing of it. We woke, had a great Chinese meal in town, took a stroll up and down the wooden plank walkways, and played at two local casino bars. Although this was the first time we stayed the night in Virginia City, as in previous visits, we enjoyed ourselves and found the locals very friendly. We walked back across the street, found the Silver Queen's bar closed, so after a walk through Silver Queen's hallways, which were completely quiet and empty and all rooms dark, we returned to our room at midnight. It wasn't 15 minutes after our head hit the pillows when things started happening. We both heard a loud clunk followed by footsteps up and down our hall. Unremarkable perhaps, except as far as we could tell, no one on our floor was awake and the footsteps were clearly on a wood floor and every inch of the hotel is thickly carpeted. I made my husband leave the light on in our room. Can you blame her? Not at all. Voices, door creaking, and a repeat of footsteps continued to keep us awake. Yet every time we opened the door, the hall was empty and quiet. At about 3.30 a.m., things seemed to quiet down. Taking pity on my poor husband, I got up and turned off our bedroom light. He fell asleep minutes later. I continued to lay awake, the blanket over my head. You know, that's your greatest protection. My last memory before sleep finally found me was of loud boots stomping down the hall, a bang on our door, and the doorknob jiggling. I didn't get up to answer the door. We left early the next morning before breakfast. Later that day, while eating breakfast in Reno, I called the Silver Queen and spoke to Karen, the hotel's pleasant bartender and hotel reservationist. I wanted to let her know that, yes, like others before us, we now believe their hotel is haunted. (laughs) A true believer now. (laughs) After hearing about the continued footsteps and door creaking, she told us we were the only people on our floor. I asked about the family that we heard while napping. This seemed to really surprise her. She said that the only child that had been in the hotel was the day before, and that was a grandchild of the owner, and that child was too Far too young for the voices we heard very clearly. Would I stay at the Silver Queen again? Well, it's been about five days since I was there, and I'm still a little freaked out. However, yes, I got the adventure I hoped for, a wonderful story to tell, and a very memorable anniversary.
1: <laughs> well, happy anniversary to her. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get any ideas, Diane. That's not what I want for our anniversary.
3: Yeah, so what's really neat about their chapel is they actually have a video camera that runs 24-7 in there, and there's a screen that shows you what's going on outside where you can sit at the bar. And the owner, when we went there on our honeymoon, she walked in there with my husband in the dark, and it was showing my husband and her, and then you could, like, see stuff in on the screen that was floating around them. It's pretty neat. I have a picture of my husband in there, and there's, like, a bright orange something <laughs> so I don't know if it was a spirit or what it was in there with them.
2: Interesting. How large is the Silver Queen Hotel? How many floors?
3: It's three floors. The the two upper floors are all rooms, but they're really tall ceilings. They're probably at least ten foot ceilings.
2: Wow, those are, and, are know, really, really big.
3: Yeah, it's insane how high they used to make the ceilings back then. Because they, you know, today's standards, they could have had a whole other floor in there. When we were there, we were there kind of early and we stayed the night there in the Silver Queen in room 19 and when we were waiting the gal was making the bed and stuff and we were talking to her and to her if she's had any experiences in there and she said she has and she said everybody else talks about the other rooms being haunted but she swears room 9 is the most haunted because So she was in there making a bed and all of a sudden like the, the pictures came off the wall and all kinds of stuff it started piling on her
2: that would be frightening so that
3: would be That would be very frightening. (laughs) She still works there, though,
2: so... Well, you know what's interesting about that is... I don't know why we get into this thinking where a ghost is just locked into one place. Like, it can only be in that one room. Because I know the main rooms I hear about there are 11, 12, and 13. So, nine's pretty Uh close. And you guys weren't too far away. You probably got lucky if you didn't have anything banging around with you.
3: Yeah, we were on the top floor. I have my own experiences with Supernatural, so I was like... I was sitting in the window ledge because the window ledge was big enough and I was just talking to the spirits. I'm like, you know, because they say, they say that there's a woman in there, a ghost that likes to like flirt with the men. And I said, you can flirt with my husband all
2: you want. Just don't push me out this window. I don't know if you should have tempted her quite that way, Tara. Here's
1: <laughs> yeah, what I don't want you to do. And then she's like, oh yeah, bye-bye. Really neat hotel
3: because it, it still has like all the old stuff in it. And it really, for people who love history, it's such an amazing place because the whole city is designated. It's the only whole city in the country that's designated a historical place. When you go in there, it's like you're stepping back in time and you kind of just have to stand there and appreciate it for what it was, knowing it was a big booming place 150 years ago.
2: It's got something like 500 buildings there that date back to the 1800s that are still there.
0: Oh, yes. And, you know, the the architecture is absolutely gorgeous. You've got the Mackey Mansion, and then there's the Savage Mansion, which is a huge old Victorian. The Fourth Ward School is another beautiful old school that is located there. And then you've got two absolutely gorgeous churches, uh, especially St. Mary's. That is, you, you can go in and it's absolutely gorgeous on the inside, and then they have a museum down in the basement area where you can see some of the chalices and, and some artifacts from back in the 1800s when the sil- when silver mining was in its heyday. So my husband laughed because Virginia City is probably one of my favorite places to go because I was, you know, I was raised in the area and it has a whole lot of great memories for me growing up, but also because I've never gone to Virginia City and not come back with something. See,
2: that's really so, cool you when know, you hear that.
0: I actually had the opportunity to spend the night at the Mackie Man. I spent the night at uh, the Washoe Club a couple of times. We also spent the night in the miner's cabin, which is literally less than a mile away from Virginia City just down the hill a little bit The Brewer's Lodge, there are so many things That you can do there, and it's a great place To, you know, it's going to sound funny It's a great place to take your family, because kids Would just love it, because literally You go back in time, and in the summer They have mock shootouts And, you know, little Wild West shows and
2: Oh, that
1: would be fun They have,
0: you know, reenactors walking up and down The street, and they've got this one uh, Old miner dressed in red long johns And he, and he drags his uh, donkey Down the street <laughs>
3: (laughs) (laughs) And
0: it's absolutely hysterical to see. And you can go up and pet the donkey. I don't want to pet the miner much, but, (laughs) but you know, every time we go up there, here he comes and he's got his donkey and they just walk down the
2: street. Well, you know, that probably helps feed into some of that paranormal activity because it keeps that energy going. And if you've got all that reenacting going you've got oh, either yeah. residual energy or other spirits that are hanging out there, they're probably seeing that and they may be going, hey, should I be getting in the middle of this or something?
0: At least the uh, shopkeepers that I've spoken to, part of the reason that they do business there is a because during the summer it's, it's a pretty bustling place during the day, but also they buy into the history of it
2: mm. because
0: it is. It's a place that you wouldn't want to do, uh, that you wouldn't want to have a business in unless you really bought into the whole premise because it It's just, like I said, it's it's saturated.
2: Well, let's go ahead and talk about St. Mary's Art and Retreat Center. Can you describe the building to us, Anna?
4: Well, it's a four story building. It was actually used to be a hospital at one time. Now it's an artist retreat. And what I mean by artist retreat is is that you could go and stay in this building. Artists will do a residency there. They teach art classes and demonstrate. You could tour the building with the art also does uh, tours during the day with historical tours to show how the hospital was run by the nuns. And that hospital was for all everyone in town, the miners and so forth. Got, it's a beautiful building. If you come up on it, it has this little road. You come up and then it's you see this little balcony there and it's a brick building. Um, you just walk up, you could just feel the history as you're going up the steps.
2: Have you had an opportunity to investigate in there, like do an official investigation or you could just walk through?
4: Yes, I've stayed there twice. We stayed there overnight. In fact, it was my first investigation as a team member Hmm. when I joined uh, GARP. And it was interesting to say the least. (laughs) It taught me a lot in one evening to do a group investigation. But shadow beings I've seen there also... uh, I'm not too into the orbs, but I did see uh, a ball light, uh, voices, furniture being moved. Uh, We have on EVP, I can hear, I swear it's a nun, because growing up, going to uh, Catholic uh, CCD classes, (laughs) you could hear the nun. I mean, it it was crazy. You could hear nun down the road on the fourth floor. We left our recorder on the fourth floor, and we are doing, it's the nun's ward, you know, woman's ward. It's actually, if you uh, ever look up the building, there's a room also that most people go to that is a room that they left undone that had a fire t- occurred in there. But anyways, if you go to the next room, it has these tiny little beds. And we were in there investigating while I left my recorder in the hallway outside a wooden bench. When I went back to review the tape, you can hear a little lady go, come in. Whoa. And she seems to be talking to us. And I, I had to listen again because there was only two of us on that floor and uh, everyone else was outside the building at the time. Cause we let, you know, take notes of it, but I've had nothing but positive experiences there. We don't tempt the spirit. Denise, we, we oh. go in with respect and it's, it's a really amazing place, even if you're not into ghosts to go there, but we've had a lot of stuff happen to us there.
1: Now with the ball of light or the orb type thing that you mm-hmm. saw, did you see that on film or did you actually see it with your own eyes? I seen it
4: with my own eyes in the uh, staircase, but just before I thought it was a bug because it was so bright, but for a split second. But what alerted me to it was, is where you were the main, it's a weird little staircase down by the kitchen. So we're in the kitchen area, we're sitting at the table, I'm sitting there and I'm looking over to the stairs and I kept seeing this dark shadow, like a kid's side shadow Peeking at us from the stairs, Colette. That was on the team. She is a medium, and then she had noticed that I kept looking over there, and she just turned to me. And I didn't say anything. She just turned to me and she goes, "You see it, don't you?" She goes, "It's on the stairs." She goes, "Tell me what you see." And I go, "It's a dark shadow." Like it shows. Yes, it's curious and wants to know what we're doing. Yeah. Um. There was also I was trying to find the notes for this, but there was also um a priest killed himself in the basement of the 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 hospital and there's not a lot of information on it but we heard that I was trying to ask my friend Eric if he had information on it and since it's such an old case for us we couldn't find that and and supposedly committed suicide he was an alcoholic and committed suicide in the basement or the lower floor of the which would be there in the kitchen area I believe of the saint of saint mary's
2: Hmm. Interesting, because I know I'd heard the stories about the white nun, and then I'd heard a couple about some children apparitions that seemed almost residual because they'd be wearing the iron leg braces Mm -hmm. that they used to wear because of polio, and they would just be standing Mm -hmm. at the top of the stairs like they were scared to come down. So it was more like they were a residual thing. So I didn't hear anything about a man, but.
4: And did you hear about the, also about the gentleman that um, set himself on fire and killed the nun? Oh. in In the room. Oh, okay, the room that's unmade—it's on the fourth floor. The, there's a room that they leave un—it's—it's kind of where you—you when you go into this room, the paint's peeling. Um, there's bars on the window, and I guess it was a guy who had psychological issues. He tried to commit suicide, but he ended up setting himself and the nun on fire. Great on that. Yes. And that's why some people say they see a nun and you that's who I think we heard there in the room. Because that room, there's this really big room at the end of the hall and when they do have tables and tables. It's a weird feeling, but you kind of feel that like we stayed when we stayed there, I stayed in the nun's room and I was making sure I didn't say any bad words because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get in trouble. But <laughs>
2: get a ghostly slap of, on the wrist by yeah. a ruler. <laughs>
4: and it was crazy again it's the wind it was that same weekend and it was the scary the scariest wind ladies i swear you hear
2: like a horror movie i would have my already husband, been out of there my husband
4: said it was the most peaceful sleeping ever
2: oh of course he's probably like okay. it
4: was like singing in my ears a lot of the activity for us was the fourth floor so there's this room this tiny room and i think it's There one was a men's ward, one was a woman's ward, but it's the room that faces that you'll see the two windows up in the front. We're all sitting there. There's several of us in the room. We're doing an EVP session. All of a sudden, it's dark, complete darkness sitting there. I had my eyes closed. So did my daughter. And then through my eyelids, I seen a flash of light. And then everyone in our group jumped up and go, what is that? What is that? And it was this bright, so bright flash of light that occurred in the room. And no, and Eric, who had his eyes open, d- he didn't even know where the source of life came. We went running to the window. Nobody drove up on the on the building. There was nobody took pictures because we're all in the same room. It was the most bizarre thing that we've one of the one, weird things that we've ever ever experienced in that room. That so, place sounds
2: really active.
4: It is. It is, but I don't think it's, I don't, it's not malicious. A lot of people, some people say some of it's malicious, but it's not. Well, that's good. To, but the most interesting that I have to share was the second time I went there and there was only four of us this time. And this is when we were proof. We went and the caretakers, Ron and I forgot her name. There was other uh, caretakers this time. So we went, dropped off our stuff. And we went to go get pizza in town at the Red Dog, which is supposed to be haunted as well. Saloon, we come back, we were gone an hour Next thing we know, we hear someone walking around inside the building, you know, the St. Mary's, and we heard walking around. So we yell out, hey, who's in here? Ron comes back running downstairs. He goes, hey, where were you guys? And we go, well, we stopped to go get pizza. And then he goes, well, we got a call from inside the house. We thought something was wrong because <laughs> they had a, from outside. and go, no, nothing's wrong. And they go, someone keeps calling from inside the building to us. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is like a
2: horror movie. (laughs)
4: Our response was that we're here. We're back, you guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Stop calling for us. We came back. We brought food.
4: Yes. So, (laughs) yeah, we just look at it as we're serious, but we get more stuff when we're, I guess, just being ourselves, I would say.
2: (laughs) Sure. That makes sense.
3: When we were there... For our honeymoon, we did a, a ghost tour. That was extremely interesting too, because they take you around town. And at that time, they, we didn't go into, it, it was April. So of course, the town shuts down at like 5 p.m. on the off season. So, you know, they came in after dark. It was like eight o'clock at night when we did that. And the boardwalks are all, they're all bored And on one side of the street, like if you're at the top of the hill looking down the whole boardwalk on the right side at night, you could see between the boards on the boardwalk. And if you flash your, shine your flashlight down there, you can see the tunnels. And I, and she was telling us that that's where the Chinese immigrants had to walk underground in those tunnels because they would have been murdered up on the street. Wow. But, you, know, you don't really think, you don't think about the Chinese being used as workers in Virginia City. You know, you think more of like the Shanghai tunnels and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it was, just, it was really neat because you would never know that that tunnel was under there unless you used your flashlight at night to shine between those boards and see it.
2: Wow. Makes you wonder how haunted it is down in those.
3: I, I don't know. You know, I think back to all the gunfights and all the stuff that had to be happening. You know, those was probably people killed every day there.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I know you sent us some pictures of the suicide table that they had there at the Delta Saloon.
3: It did have different owners, and basically they call it the suicide table because everybody who pretty much owned the table committed suicide.
2: I know there was one miner who came in there, and he was really drunk. He had just lost all of his money at another gambling hall, and all he had was this gold ring on his finger, which I'm assuming is probably a wedding ring. So he walks up to the table... And at that time, it, I think it had been changed to a 21 table, and he was hoping to win his money back. So he's like, okay, I'm going to put this ring in. He put it up against $5 gold pieces, and he actually won. And then he won the next hand and the next hand. And by the next morning, he'd won over 86000 in cash, a team of horses, and interest in a gold mine. And it said that the owner of the table is the one who lost all that, and then he was the final suicide before they decided to, we better lock this table up for good. I could see if you've lost $86,000, your team of horses and your gold mine, you've lost Mm -hmm. everything. Well, like
1: you said, if you're running the table and you run a a losing table for you, like winning for the people playing, it'd kind of be like when you're playing the stock market for somebody. If you lose everything they have, you don't want to, you
2: know. mm -hmm.
3: Think of how much money nowadays $86,000 would have been.
2: That would be a lot of money. You had mentioned at the Bucket of Blood, they have, is her last name, do they say it, boulette Julia Boulette? Yes. You had sent a picture of her. What's the story about her?
3: She was the prostitute that like all the men were just in love with, and she pretty much ran the whole red light district, and she was murdered, and they're not sure by who, and I guess... After she was murdered, they wouldn't let her be buried in the cemetery. The firefighters hauled her off over across the the valley, and you can like see the hillside where her uh, she's her grave is supposed to be, and it's kind of fenced off by a white picket fence. They're saying that you know all the wives were like hooray when she was being hauled out of town to the point where they uh, you know it was just was like a big parade. Ooh, and that's to this nice. day, yeah, <laughs> to this day, they said that some somebody went in and dug up her body, and her body's no longer in her grave and they're not sure who did that if it was a past lover or you know who took her body so even though they have a fenced off area on the opposite hillside of the the cemetery her body's not there
2: which begs the question where is it (laughs) did they take it back to their house and bury it in the backyard is she stuffed in a bed somewhere (laughs) I mean, golly the other thing i would wonder is back then they had that belief that if you weren't given a proper christian burial you couldn't move on So it makes you wonder Mm -hmm. if somebody dug her up and tried to put her back in the cemetery at night when nobody would notice.
1: That's a good point, Diane, because other other stories that we've done, that's exactly what they did.
3: And in the cemetery, the cemetery is all segregated. There's like the firemen section and the different religious section. And the Chinese, they they weren't even buried in the cemetery. They are buried at a whole different cemetery.
2: How many cemeteries do they have there?
3: Uh, I think that they just, well, we went to the one, the main one, and has, when I sent you those pictures of some mm-hmm. of the gravestones, they kind of have a map. It's, it's really big, but it's, it's like sectioned off into different sections.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I'm not sure exactly where the Chinese cemetery is, but, and then I know that where Juliet's supposed to be buried, you can see her poor little spot over there. <laughs>
2: I know, a poor thing. And and you said that she was murdered, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to assume that nobody was ever brought to justice over that either. I wonder if it was a jealous wife or...
3: Yeah, that's what they, they said. They don't know if it was a wife or a, a man who... They said a lot of men were in love with her. Uh, they don't know if it was a jealous man or a wife.
2: Sure. Either one is a possibility.
3: The Bucket of Blood is really neat. It's all, you know, inside there, they have a lot of old, you know, memorabilia in there and they have all these old, old fashioned pickle jars on the walls. Hmm. And I I had no idea what they were, but basically like they're, they're really neat old glass and look like lanterns, but I guess they put pickles in them and when you, lift the lid out of the juice so you could take a pickle out. But to me, I kept thinking they just looked like these really neat, old-fashioned lamps. Oh, (laughs)
2: wow. You're like, you should be turning those into lamps.
3: Yeah. You know, when we go into towns, we like to do tours, offer a trolley tour that tells you about the town and all the different uh, mines. And he was telling us that one of the stories about how the bucket of blood got its name was due to the fact that there was so many gunfights at night that when they mopped the floor and they dumped the bucket of water, it was always full of, it was bloody water. So they called it the bucket of blood.
1: Okay. Well, that makes sense because I was wondering where the, where the name came from. So. <laughs>
3: That was a rough and tumble place and you had
0: people dying in the mines and then uh, they get a little money under their pocket and they come into Virginia city and they start raising hell and the next thing you know that, you know, they'd be drunker and skunk and there'd be shootings all over the place. And so if you weren't killed in the mines, the odds were you were probably going to be, you were probably going to be killed in a shootout.
3: It was probably an extremely dangerous place in which to live. Yeah. Definitely got the best Bloody Marys.
2: Okay. I've heard that that's that's what you want when you go there.
3: Yeah, the Silver Queen has a big sign that says, The Buck Bloody Mary in town. That's not true. It's the Bucket of Blood.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> okay. And so you're hoping
1: that it's still like going to be like Bloody Mary mix, and there's not a reason <laughs> yeah. why it tastes different.
3: <laughs> yeah, see, and that's one of my things. I always test Bloody Marys everywhere I go, so it's pretty good. The walking tour of the town that we did at night was from um, the Bats in the Belfry. They, they're the ones who do that tour. And at towards the end of the tour... You know, they're, we're walking on Main Street and they, we stopped in front of a store, like a general store, and they said back in the day there was some people that, it was a husband and wife that owned it and they had a little girl and they told her she could play outside but she had to stay on the sidewalk and she could go no farther than the edges of their shop. So she would just walk back and forth in front of their shop and one day she got into the street and was run over By a horse and carriage, and they gave us those EMF things, Mm -hmm. and they they handed out three. They gave me one, another gal, one that was there on her honeymoon, and another guy that was in the group. And mine was going off like crazy, and the other girls, hers, hers was going off, and the guy was his was barely doing anything. And the lady said, "Well, see," she said. Now, she told us myself and the other gal since our EMFs were going off said, walk, so walk up the, the boardwalk. They said, as soon as you pass, as soon as you pass where their building was, it'll, it'll stop working. And I put it to the test and walked past. As soon as I got past the edge of the building, it totally went dead. They said, see, because she knows she's not allowed to go past the edge of the building. And then when we came back, as soon as I came back across, it went crazy again. You know, and then my husband and I were like, oh, maybe nothing, you know, And so I let my husband hold it and it didn't do anything for him. And he handed it back to me and it was going off again. Well, Mm
2: -hmm. that's interesting because I was going to ask you the distance that you walked. And because I know sometimes if there's electrical lines that are underneath the sidewalk, because we've had that happen when Uh we're in a city with an EMF, it'll go off when you're standing kind of where a box would be that has a lot of the electrical stuff. But the fact that you handed Uh it to your husband and he's getting nothing and then you're getting something that would definitely, if it was electrical, it would have been going off for either one of you.
3: Yeah, see, and it didn't go off. I think it only flashed once or twice for the other gentleman that had the, had it. And then the other gal, hers wasn't going off as much as mine, but it was going off. And, and I said, well, maybe it has to do with the fact that I'm a woman mm-hmm. and I am, I am a mom. Mm-hmm. And maybe she was, the spirit was picking that up.
2: That could be getting that mom energy from you. Yeah. That is really interesting. I've never heard a story like that where a ghost has been told you can't go past this you know, level, because in her real life, she'd been told that. And so in the afterlife, she just keeps to it. It makes you wonder if that's residual or what?
3: I don't know. Maybe because she went off the sidewalk and got killed, that maybe now she sticks to the sidewalk.
2: Yeah, especially now that she's like, those aren't horses and carriages out there on the road anymore. (laughs) Those are really weird looking things. Mackie Mansion.
4: Yeah, the Mackie Mansion, I went when they were just barely restoring it i think they let you do a little bit more there but we went several where did when do we go like 2000 and uh 2011 is when i went i think we had everyone it was funny because when we were doing the investigations it was like we just got there like like i swear like the week before dead files just went there and then the next time we went it was like you know ghost adventures just got there before we got there so
2: it was kind of like we're like
4: man are they following us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> really? But you almost want Ghost Adventures to be there before you because they're probably going to stir some crap up. Can you describe it to us, like what it looks like?
4: Oh, okay. Mackie Mansion, I want to say it's its kind of weird how it sets up. So you go, that's another one. It's on a um, residential street. It's a mansion, but it's kind of a small mansion. And it's a yellowish with brick and in it's white trim. And you go in and it's uh, three... Is it three stories, but it doesn't look three stories outside, which is really weird. It's on when you go, didn't get to describe it. When you go to Virginia city, you're going up a mountain. So you're going and underneath that mountain is mines. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because the Mackie mansion supposedly is built on top of a mine tunnel. And the tour guide told us that he, Mr. Mackey, John Mackey, would go in through this tunnel under his house to the, his mine, which I found was interesting. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but it would still make it really interesting.
0: Yeah, there are tunnels underneath it.
3: Okay. Because they
0: used to use it in order to trans. There are tunnels all the way underneath the city. Now, most most of those have been closed off for obvious reasons. One of the reasons that they had the tunnels there is because they would trans, uh, transport silver to the uh, Mackey Mansion, and John Mackey, at one point, had a huge safe in there. And so they, they would bring it up to where people wouldn't see it. Also, they had the tunnels throughout the city because they had Chinese workers, and the Chinese workers were not allowed to walk around on the street, so they would navigate in the tunnels underneath the city to get from location to location.
3: And they also
0: did the same thing with ladies of the evening. The um well-to-do gentlemen would not want their wives seeing activity, and so what they would do is they would do either the tunnels or they'd come up the back stairs of the buildings in order to be able to enter so no one would see them. But I've heard a lot of a lot of stories about the tunnels of the, uh, underneath the Mackie Mansion and several of the mansions throughout the city.
4: You go in and the bottom floor is where his office would be. And it has a vault, this big vault that's in there. But they have it open and you can walk in and it has all this memorabilia. It, the house was John Mackey himself, his wife, and I think a young girl that was there because his, it's been a while since I've been there. I was trying to read up on it and there's different people that have been in and out of the house. For us as a team, there was only four of us and we went and the down, so you have downstairs, the next floor, you also have like the ballroom, which is gorgeous. And then the floor above that is where the bedrooms would be. Now, during the day, you could take a tour and the rooms are actually have a gate in front of each room so you can look into a room. But when we investigated, we did have access to the ballroom and also the bed, a couple of the bedrooms except for the bathroom, not the dining room, because the dining room had so much china and it was very small. Mm. And what was really strange about it is that you had to go outside to go around the building to use this bathroom that I guess was part like a green, uh, not a greenhouse, but it seemed like there's plants and everything. (laughs) And it it was really, it was cold because it was just snowed. We were actually up there during April or May and there's still snow on the ground, quite chilly. And outside it was windy Mm. and very uh, surreal. And you can at the town, you can hear every noise coming from the street because it's not that far all the way to the mansion and eerily quiet. You can hear horses once in a while. You can hear a distant laugh. So just to give you the mood of the place. The one thing that I have to say, we're up on the third floor now at the time, like I said, I don't like to know. That much of the history before I go into a place because I don't want it tainted and I don't want other people's like hauntings or anything before I know sometimes. We were on the third floor, which was Mrs. Uh, Mackey's broom was up there and Mr. Mackey and one of their friends that were staying with them. I was talking about how beautiful the house was and I did not know Mrs. Mackey did not like living there because she felt it wasn't up to her standards. So I'm gushing on and on because we're trying to get EVP saying how beautiful the house is. We're standing there around the bedroom, around the bed, and then all of a sudden it started getting dark, like is someone slowly fading down the light. Now there was a little bit of natural light in there and we had our flashlight, but this room started to be engulfed in this blackness and it started getting really cold. And we're like looking, you know, we're kind of nudging each other and it just, you just felt like someone was in the room with us. And then we were kind of like kept asking questions and it wasn't really as scary as little unsettling. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt, we just felt like if we keep asking questions, what's going, what's going to happen? So we kind of waited and it just all of a sudden, then it started fading. The light started filtering back in again. And I, I think it's because I was asking questions about, I was talking about how beautiful the house was. Then we went across the hall to the, ch- the child's room and it's, it has a little rocking horse, a little bed and toys. My daughter, who's part of the team, was standing there and she's talking. And then she felt a little hand take her hand, tug on her arm. And as we were saying, are you in here with us? And we're talking. I got down on child level, got on my knees, and I felt these little arms come on my back and give me a hug. It was like this little hug. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we decided to be on that level or talk to her in not in a, you know, addressing her like an equal or a child, you know, like there's conversation going on. So other things I've heard are not so positive about the little girl. But from what I understand, you know, she was she was very nice and very accommodating to us and friendly.
2: The only thing that I've heard about her is that she appears to people if they're sleeping in the bedrooms. And of course, one of those people was Johnny Depp apparently had stayed in the mm-hmm. mansion while he was filming dead man. And he said that he saw the full bodied apparition. Mm-hmm. So what kind of negative stuff have you heard about her?
4: Some say that she likes to play tricks on people or scare people. Um, I've read, you know, other, um, cause I was curious. I, I wanted to know, I heard the Johnny Depp story too. Now, other uh, groups have said, oh, you know, she'll try to jump out, scare you, or you feel like this menacing um, negativity with her. I did not get that. I did not get that at all. Now, I felt with Mrs. Mackey, I felt like she was like we were intruding on Mm -hmm. her her area with Mr. Mackey, which I heard is rare to see him or any interaction. We were down in, in his office and the caretaker it was really nice, but she kept coming up and down these narrow stairs and asking us questions. So we would get into, the, you know, we're trying to do an EVP we're, contamination. Do want, yes, <laughs> would you want some coffee? And we were <laughs> sitting, but which it was nice because it was really cold in the mansion, and one of the windows was not repaired, so you would hear this. Ooh. <laughs> Great,
0: <laughs>
4: and we were like, "What's that?" But we like to debunk. We're one of those mm-hmm. teams that okay. There's wind coming through. You can hear the town outside. And we do note and we do tell on our EVP, you know, at this time, this is what we're hearing. So we were downstairs. And, again, the orb thing, we're not too into it. Um, We did capture on camera a picture of an orb. And the only reason why I support this orb is because it's an orange ball of light just be above the e emf reader and we were getting readings we were asking mr Mackey questions and our emf reading kept going up every time we would um uh we thought we were getting an answer so it kept going up and then it would go back down then it go up and then when we um checked our time and checked our pictures at the same time we had this little ball orange red light and i was again talking about how much we really enjoyed the house and how beautiful it was. And our friend, Eric, another team member, he's, you know, felt, and he never feels anything, felt like someone was in the room with us at the time.
2: Interesting. Do we know, did a little girl die in the mansion? Do they know who she is? Well,
4: so some of them said it's her, the adopted daughter named Ava. I've heard that. Other things. I've There's like conflicting stories about her and I've been trying to do research you know, like a little bit at the time I was trying to look for my notes and I just moved into a new house. So my computer, on oh, my notes, I couldn't get access to. So I'm going off memory. She uh, supposedly, you know, lived there in the house. I don't think she died there. There, I, I didn't hear anything bad. I just heard like, you know, cause he had grown sons and just that Mrs. Mackey didn't like the area. He was away a lot in business. Interesting fact about him, he laid, you know how we have the cable system that goes from the United States to uh to Europe underwater. Mm-hmm. He was part of that later on. Oh wow. Yeah, there's actually a giant statue at him, I believe, in Reno at the university there.
2: Well, I know that was a huge undertaking when I've heard it, you know, when they tell the story of that cable and you're thinking, okay, this is way back in the 1800s. And mm-hmm. we're talking about laying cable at the bottom of the ocean. It just blows my mind. When you stayed there, did you have any experiences?
0: We had um, a friend of mine, Jackie Clebe, and I, Jackie had gotten us the opportunity to spend the night there. It was early in April and Virginia City and Early April is cold. I mean, we're talking blistering cold. Mm -hmm. And so the whole city literally shuts down by about, I'd say, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock on Saturday Saturday night. So what happened was Jackie and I had done some investigations at the Washoe Club and a couple other places, and we came back to spend the night at the Mackey. There's a big, huge hot belly stove down in the bottom that's supposed to heat the mansion, but obviously it's an old mansion and it really wasn't working too well. So we had went upstairs and Jackie was spending the night in Mr. Mackey's room and I was going to spend the night in Mrs. Mackey's. It's a three story building and by this time it was midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I had set up motion sensors at the top of the stairs and at the end uh, of the hallway, just to see what would happen, and I set up also um infrared camera at the head of the stairs as well. Jackie was in her room, and I'm in mine, and all of a sudden the motion sensors are going off and Jackie says you want to do you want to get up and go see what that is?" I said, "It's too cold to get up, I'm not getting up
3: <laughs>
0: all night long. Those motion sensors went off now at one point um we had that infrared video camera and uh, I hear, uh, and Jackie says to me, you hear music. Later when I reviewed the uh, video, you could hear music downstairs, like somebody was having a having a party down in the first floor of the um, mansion. So you literally could hear the music. But it was 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's nothing going on in the entire city that late at night. The other thing that happened was during the review of that footage as well, you hear a man say, help, Ooh. clear as day. And, uh, you know, I'm listening to this, and I'm going, wow, and I ran it back. And she and I were the only ones that were spending the night in the mansion. So there was, there's no rational explanation as to where that, that voice came from.
2: Yeah, it wasn't one of you guys, yeah.
0: It wasn't, it wasn't either one of us.
2: Now, did he die in the house or anything? Because the only male that I've heard that they think is haunting it is a former colonel or something.
0: That I'm not sure of. I know that Mr. Mackey. The stories go that he that he really loves the mansion. My fr- as I said, my friend Jackie's been there on several occasions, and she actually had picked up some EVPs of Chinese workers.
2: Hmm.
0: Where she had gotten, and I can't remember what the translation was, but uh, she'd actually gotten uh, voices in Chinese.
1: Well, that's what um, I was going to ask uh, if she had a the, translation.
0: I'll, I'll have to find out if she can if she can. Get that information for you, but she spent many nights at the Mackey.
2: Whenever they get EVPs that are in a different language, that always really fascinates me because then you know there's nothing that yeah. those people have done to manipulate that.
0: Oh, sure, unless, unless you can speak Chinese. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but it would, be, it
2: would
0: be it would be difficult to explain.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: The other place that I stayed, but uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of, is a Gold Hill Hotel. That's actually when you come outside the town, you're going up the street and that's the one that has the cabin. That's right next to the mine that a lot of miners were killed. And oh. uh, ghost adventures did an episode on that, on that
2: one too. Did they have an explosion or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a mine
4: fire. They were killed. A lot of them are trapped under there and the mine is actually not that far from the cabin and inside that cabin Uh, We stayed there overnight and you can hear somebody going up and down the hall inside there. You hear voices, you hear people talking. And then the hotel owns the cabin, has an actual cute little hotel that's been there for the miners and they would come in and out. And two of the rooms that are upstairs are also haunted as well.
1: Now, with all of those tunnels, can can people like go down into them or have they been blocked off?
4: Most of them have been blocked off. There is a tour that you can take. They have like this little train, and you can go in it and it'll take you through a ton- tunnel, I believe. But most of them are still privately owned or they're restricted for mining, and some are active as well.
2: How so, close is the Mackie Mansion to the mine that you were just talking about there?
4: Oh, gosh. That one, it's, I would say, about a mile or so. I mean, you wouldn't want to walk because it's at the kind of going up the hill. I mean, it would be a good. Yeah, a mile and a half maybe. But the mansion is not that far from the main street. Now, this town is so tiny that you can see most of, you know, the houses are up on the hills and the mountains. And you can, like I, when we we're at St. Mary's, you can hear a car coming up the mountain with the radio.
2: Interesting. The reason why I asked is because you'd mm-hmm. mentioned about this being on top of a possible mine. And mm-hmm. I know that the man who built the mansion originally, his name was George Hurst. And Mm -hmm. he was the one who had made the mining office there. And then I think John Mackey continued with that. And I'm thinking, well, you would kind of want a mining office close to the mine. And if it's a mile away, it does make you wonder if there wasn't some kind of access that they had there then.
4: I wouldn't be surprised because people are saying that a lot of the miners, like different sections that they're, that there's so many mines under the town. I guess it, it's surprising how the town's still up there.
2: <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so,
4: Makes you feel yeah. secure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so I was kind of freaked out when I was because I hate heights. That's the only thing I'm afraid of, and that was, that, my fear is falling. I know this sounds weird, but fine, falling down a mine shaft. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> hey, that would do it to me. And we have sinkholes in Florida, so I, you know, <sighs> a mine would I be know. a sinkhole.
1: Yeah, we had yes. a whole resort disappear, a whole resort yeah.
2: building disappear into a sinkhole.
4: Yeah. Oh, my God. I know we read about that and we're like, oh, my God, how scary is that?
2: The other thing I wanted to ask about mm-hmm. the Mackie Mansion is I've heard that the staircase is hand carved.
4: Yes, and it's very steep, oh. very steep because, you know, back then people were so much tinier than we are now. And most of them had like what, a size five shoe or smaller. So the steps, that's what we had issues with going up and down the stairs. Because you feel like you're getting vertigo because it's very steep. And as you're going, you're kind of leaning forward. So you wouldn't if I felt like if I let lean back, I was gonna fall. Mm. Um yeah. So we were trying to limit going up and plus you can hear. A lot of people don't realize is when in a lot of these places you can hear downstairs what you hear up, up on the fourth floor. So you can hear everything in a lot of the buildings. So that's what we were trying to be careful of in St. Mary's as well. But when we were hearing the furniture move around, we had walkie talkies and we're like, hey, are you moving furniture? And they're all, are you guys walking around? They're all no. So we just sat there very still. We're like we had 30 minutes of silence, which is hard. And you hear somebody like shuffling chairs and moving things. And it's so loud. And you're like, what's going on? And there's nobody. You can hear people walking up and down the halls.
2: Wow. I'm wondering, like when you hear furniture moving around and it's sliding across the floor, obviously you're not saying that you're seeing it. But did you notice that it seemed like you'd looked in the room and the furniture had moved from where you'd originally seen it?
4: No, none of the furniture would move. Uh, What
2: we're speculating,
4: is that since St. Mary's was St. Mary Louise, as it was called at one time, was a hospital that you would think about if they were moving patients from bed to bed, they had carts, people shuffling around. We've heard people walking down the halls in spurs, like heavy boots. You just hear activities during the day and at night.
2: The moving furniture is more of a residual type sound then. hmm. OK, I believe wow.
4: so. Yeah. A lot of the stuff, it's like you, when you walk in there, it's, it's hard to explain. You walk in and you feel like you've entered, like you're, you ever watch those movies where people are like everything stopped around them and they walk in and they're kind of seeing what's going on around them and they're walking around and not touching anything. I feel like when you're in St. Mary's, you're stepping back in time and they're going about their business still in this one realm. And you're just in your time. And sometimes those little, they cross over. And you're kind of catching a glimpse or hearing a glimpse of it.
1: So when they're doing their show, they're talking about this ghost that they saw that would be you. (laughs) You're the ghost. (laughs)
4: Yes. (laughs) Which I often think, you know, that Mm -hmm. I wonder if they view us as that. Is
2: it a time slip? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you've heard us talk about it. That's one of the theories that we have is that it's somehow there's a rip in time there and you guys are stepping into each other's area. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Well, did you ever see, I know this is off the thing, but did you ever see that one unsolved mystery where the guy, he was up in a, what is it? He's a hunter and he was up on a tree stand and, you know, hunting. And then he kept hearing someone walking under around the base of his tree. But when he looked over, he didn't see anybody. So he finally got the nerve to come down his tree base and as he was walking, and on the other side of the bush, there's an American Indian looking right at him, like in shock, and they're walking parallel to each other. So they're
2: staring at each other. I wonder if that a time slip. That's sure. what, the, yeah. So I don't know how she could explain it unless one of them was a ghost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true, or we're the future, or what.
2: Is there any other places that you wanted to make sure we touched on?
0: We had went to do, uh, we were going to be doing an investigation at the Washoe Club, and we had also gotten access to the Knights of Pythias building, which is right, located right next to Piper's Opera House. We were the only ones that had the key. Once again, my friend Jackie had gotten the key for us from the owner. They were getting ready at that point to turn it into a, a wine tasting. It's a beautiful old building, and you start out in the bottom and sort of see, and they had storage. And then you go upstairs, and that's where the meeting hall was for the Knights of Pythias. It had an absolutely beautiful cherry wood bar with the gold vein mirrors. And we did a walkthrough during the day just to get an idea of, um, you know, what the layout was. There was an area in the center. And the Knights of Pythias and most organizations back in in the uh, mid-1800s were not high on women. And the only time women were ever allowed up there is if they were cooking or if there was some type of special event in which the wives may or may not be invited to. And so there was an area where they would do, you know, start the ceremonies. And I went into the middle of it and I said... I hear you I hear that you are not much on women and here I am standing in your sacred spot what are you gonna do about it Well it's daytime and you can get pretty gutsy and so you know we finished and we locked up and we came back and probably about eight o'clock at night so it's pitch black and we're walking through and we had went back upstairs I went into the kitchen area and I had my digital recorder and I'm you know and I'm talking and I'm saying wow uh, is there anybody here cooking? Are we having a party? Am I invited? And I get a man's voice say, "Not you."
2: <laughs> he remembered you,
0: <laughs> and he remembered me. Well, what happened was we go back into, and I'll have to, and I'll have to get the pictures and send them to you. Uh, we go back in, and now nobody had been in this building for a long time. There was a thick layer of dust that covered the bar, and there were pieces of, you know, old bills and pieces of paper that had been sitting on the bar that were, you know, sort of crumbly and old, and you could see that they had not been moved in quite some time. We're walking around, and all of a sudden, my husband says, you guys need to get over here and look at this bar. Now... If someone, like you or I, were to write on that bar, no matter how hard we try not to do it, it's going to cut through several layers of that dust,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: probably going all the way down to the wood. In the dust on that bar, it said, get out. Something had written, get out, on top of that bar, and it it did not go all the way down to the wood. Now, as we're all standing there looking at this going, did you see this? today, I didn't see this, we would have noticed that. That's something that stands out. As we are standing there, all of a sudden you hear a growl.
3: Mm-hmm. We
0: got it on digital. We got it on my on my IR camera. My husband, like I said, is our location manager. And he sort of also runs security. He makes sure that he knows during the investigation where everybody's located at so that if we need to switch or something happens, he can contact them and tell them where to move. First thing out of his mouth, and he's a Marine, was, okay, I think it's time for us to go.
1: <laughs> I would agree with your husband on that one.
0: And so we packed up and we left and went to the Washoe Club because we it was a safer bet. But that was uh, probably one of the more interesting um, investigations that we've done at the Knights of Pisces And we also did... Like I said, over in Gold Hill, just a little, little ways down the hill, we were doing an investigation at the, there's a, the mill there where the Johnny Depp movie was filmed and the miner's cabin is located right next to the Yellow Jacket mine. There's 37 miner's bodies still buried down in the bottom of that mine that were killed during a fire in the mine. The miner's cabin is less than 30 feet away from the entrance of that mine. Mm-hmm. And you can stay in there and you can get some pretty interesting stuff. What happened was we were overdoing doing the mill. My husband was staying in a place called the Brewer's Lodge, which is just across the street and is owned by the Gold Hill Hotel because he just wasn't – he was not feeling <laughs> – ghost hunting he said okay i'm just i'm setting this one out when i got back he looked at me and he said i was sitting here watching a movie on the television and some and i saw a shadow person walk across the living room
2: so he's not going ghost hunting but he gets to have the ghost there we go
0: and then he had went upstairs to the master bedroom and he said he was laying down on the bed for a second and he swears till this day that there was someone hovering outside that second floor window
2: yeah, and, that's not somebody know. on the street walking by.
0: And he's not and he doesn't get rattled very often. So when he looks at me and he says this happened, I have a tendency to believe him. Sure. Because he's you know, like I said, he's our location manager, he's sort of our security, but he's also our resident skeptic. If he can find a valid reason for something to happen that is not paranormal, he's gonna come up with it for you. And he could not and he could not for the life of him come up with a rational explanation as to why he saw that shadow person walk across or why someone would be hovering over the second floor window.
2: Yeah. Wow. Interesting. It, it's interesting what you said about the dust there at the Knights of Pythias because like you said, first of all, as human beings, we're going to push down until you're hitting something hard underneath. Right. And we also have, you know, moisture in our fingers and things, so you're just normally going to pick the dust up anyway. So I right. I don't think I've ever seen where there's just writing that's halfway through a layer of yeah, dust. It,
0: because we, can, we uh, Obviously, until the growling happened, we're all looking at each other and going, that wasn't there. Did you see that? No, I would have told you if I'd have seen that. Okay, and then we're all looking at it and we're saying... Like you said, it was interesting in that no matter how hard one of us were to try to do that, the dust would have went all the way down Mm -hmm. to that cherry wood. We would have, we would have cleaned it all the way down. Like you said, you've got oils in your skin, you've got moisture in your skin, and there's no way that you're going to be able to control the pressure of your hand so well that it's going to still leave a thin layer of dust underneath.
2: And I'm sure you would have seen that during the day when you were walking around.
0: Well, we actually had. Um, I went back and looked at pictures. There is no picture during the day that shows "get out" written on that uh, on that bar. And I went through every picture of that bar, and it's not there.
2: And I'm I'm going to. I would put money on that it wasn't there when you first walked in either.
0: No, and like I said, we went there during uh, earlier in the day because we always just. The opportunities there. We wanted to do a walkthrough to get, you know, to get a sure. layout of the land. And because I was enthralled with that bar, I took. I can't tell you how many pictures of that bar, and not one of them had that on that bar.
2: Oh, no, that's very very. But that
0: night it was there.
2: Yeah, I'm betting you guys came in that night, and whoever did not want you there decided to go ahead and write.
0: Oh, gosh. And then decided to growl and let us know that they really weren't happy.
2: <laughs> yeah. If that's not My enough.
0: husband that he says it was your fault. You ticked him off. Mm-hmm. And I went, Yeah, I guess I did. Uh, maybe it wasn't such a hot idea after all.
1: Yeah. Uh, you never, ever tempt the spirits. <laughs> yeah. I said,
0: OK, you know, that's, and that that is the last time I have ever tried, you know, ever antagonized anything, you mm-hmm. know, OK, I'm going to, except for him. You know, even he'll tell you that on occasion I have been known to antagonize him. But you know, I I think better of it now because that everybody just when they heard that growl, everybody was looking at each other, going, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I heard that." Okay.
1: So what? Did and when growl- he said,
0: "Let's go," everybody hit that door. So because what? Because they said, Okay.
1: So what did the growl sound like? Did it sound like animal? Like a like kind of was, human making it? Like
0: it sounded. Would you say that 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 growl was? Animal or human guttural? He's thinking, trying to decide. He's, going, yeah, he's saying more, more human mm. than, than animal. But it was a sort of a human sort of guttural sort of, you know, deep sort of, like, I am not happy with you sort of. This was not a, you know, like a, a dog growling at you. This was like something, yeah, was really not pleased like someone was really not pleased. Oh, sometimes when you, when you become angry with your mate or you become angry with a child or a friend and you try to express it and you can't and you'll do that, you know, sort yeah. of. Uh-huh. It was something along the lines of that as opposed to something that sounded like a, you know, a dog or an animal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he said if it were an animal it'd been a low grade
2: wolf. Wow. Yeah, I would have gotten out too. <laughs> you
0: know, I admit that sometimes my good sense gets jacked up when I'm when I'm investigating because instead of thinking to myself, "Okay, maybe it's time to take to let's leave while the getting's good," I become so enamored or so possessed with what I'm doing that I just want to keep going. And, and sometimes my common sense he he's the he goes with me because he's my common sense. And he's gonna look at me and say, okay, I think we've outstayed our welcome. I think it's time to go.
2: It's a good he's thing you have him there is the voice of reason.
0: Yes, because, you know, I, I somebody had asked me, uh, a while back, um, they say, I'd be terrified. And I said, well, you know, the first, first time you go, you are, you're scared. But the first time you get a piece of evidence is, it's addicting in that, You go from wanting to run away to running towards
2: because you want the answer.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I'm still a runaway, and I'll (laughs) let you all go and run towards.
2: (laughs) It is kind of cool, though, when you get that. And, you know, I don't know if some of the EVPs that we've captured, if it's the real deal or if it's just our ears making us think that we're hearing it. But just the fact that something in that sound has made it sound like something other than just gibberish, you're right. Right. It does kind of make your heart beat a little bit more because it's like what that really is? And like, I was just standing there and something had to have been talking into that recorder. So it was like standing near me and it knew that it could talk into this thing. And yeah,
0: something, yeah, something wanted to, wanted to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you can't see. Exactly. And to me, it's, it's, you know, it's helping me find the the answers that I'm searching for. I, you know, and I'm never going to truly find the answers, but at least with every investigation and every piece of what I'm, Assuming, and we all know what assuming does, uh, is some type of evidence that is coming, hopefully, from loved ones or people who've passed, or even residual energy. It comforts me to think that this is proof that this is not all there is.
2: Tara, we want to thank you for joining us. That was great. You guys be safe on the road. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, Pam, thank you so much for joining us again.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, we hope that you'll be getting out here soon.
2: You know, I think we're going to maybe try it in uh, 2018, because we've got so many of you up there that we're like, we better get our butts out there. Yeah, and Diane's never been to Northern California, so.
0: Ah, well then, you're in for a treat. We have a whole lot of fun stuff going on around here. Nice meeting you, Pam. And I hope I'll get a chance to talk to you again Anna. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be awesome. I think it'd be fun. Maybe we can hook up and do, do some investigations in Virginia City.
4: Oh, that would be awesome. I would love
2: that.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me on, and I look forward to talking to you in the future.
2: All right. That you take care, great. Pam. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Anna, and you take care and have a great evening, and we hope to talk to you again in the future. This was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. Oh, me
4: too. I had a great time. Thank you so much. I totally appreciate it, and if you have any questions, just let me know.
2: Okay, Okay, we'll we'll definitely do do that.
4: Okay, thank you, and have a good night.
1: All right, good (laughs) night. Okay, you too. Good night. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Virginia City is an old city with a violent history. We've heard now several firsthand accounts of haunting experiences in the city. Are these locations harboring spirits from the past? Is Virginia City haunted? That
2: is for you to decide. Well, I know that's one place that I really want to go check out. It sounds fabulous.
1: Yes, definitely. I would love to go see it. I don't know that I want to spend the night anywhere there, but I would love to go see it. And since it is like they kept mentioning national this, national that, I wonder if it's actually in my national passport book. We'll have to look.
2: Denise, on our next episode, we're going to one of your favorite states. So
1: it must be across the Pacific Ocean a little bit. It would be. And it probably has to do with like high hibiscus
2: flowers, and really food that is so ono, and maybe some luau's and hula. Yes, we are going to be going to Hawaii on our next episode, which is basically Denise's home away from home since she spends most of her time at the Polynesian Resort here at Walt Disney World. Yes,
1: I pretty much love everything Polynesian and especially Hawaii.
2: Well, Tracy Martin suggested for us to check out Coco Palms Resort. So that's what we will be doing on the next episode. Should we go check it out in person? I say yes. We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And Denise, as Josh asked you, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Denise, we have all of our episodes get automatically uploaded to YouTube. And this is something that Libsyn had just started doing this year for us. When we first started doing the show, I would do it myself and put together a little like pictures and things to go with the audio. But it takes forever to upload to YouTube. It would take like an hour for a 30 minute show. And we weren't getting hardly any hits. So I was about seven shows in. I went, this is too much work. I don't have time. So then Libsyn started doing it so that it automatically uploads and then they use whatever our cover photo is for the entire video. Well, I started noticing we are getting quite a few hits over there. But when you get a lot of comments over on YouTube, I don't know, people are kind of mean over there. (laughs) So I don't go and look at the comments on YouTube hardly ever. But I was over there the other day. I don't know what I was looking at. And I happened to look up my notifications and I saw that we had a ton of notifications. So I'm like, let me go look and see. So we've had some comments over on our videos that I thought I would share with you guys or at least send some thanks out to everybody. So we want to thank Brandon for his comments on the Roosevelt Hotel episode and DJ Fusion 83 for your comments. Thank you. The Pikachu Princess commented on the Salem Witch Trial episode Listening to you in Earth and Space Science class—very interesting topic, especially to look at from our modern scientific perspective. Hopefully, we'll write on this and release it on Wattpad soon. Otherwise, have a nice day. And I thought, well, don't tell your teacher you're in Earth and Space <laughs> Science class and you're listening to our show. No,
1: she's gonna get—we're gonna have—we're gonna get detention, and we're not even in school anymore.
2: It's not my fault, teacher. I didn't do it. And then on our episode 91, this is the one that we did for Christmas two years ago, where we featured Charles Dickens. 2010 Wild commented, there is, and one of the things that we had asked, I think on the show, now we did this almost 100 episodes ago, so it's been a while. I think that we had said that there was no ghost when it comes to Charles Dickens himself, that he didn't haunt anywhere, because I hadn't seen anything, but that is not the case. There is actually one sort of known legend about Dickens being a ghost. It is believed that the author haunts the cemetery that his beloved sister-in-law is buried in. Dickens was very close to his wife's sibling to the point that it's been suggested that they were having an affair and she died suddenly after a night at the theater which left Dickens incredibly heartbroken and more or less traumatized. His life was pretty much a series of unfortunate events. He always wanted to be buried with her when it came to his time to go, but his wish was disobeyed by his fans who thought he deserved a nobler burial at Westminster Abbey. Because of this, his spirit wanders through the cemetery, distraught that his separation from his sister-in-law continues. It's not a very well-known legend, but nonetheless, I thought you'd like to know. P.S. Love the show. I discovered it three days ago. I've been binge listening to all your episodes ever since. So thank you for sharing that because as this user says, it's not a very well-known legend because I mean, I looked and I'm like, well, we can talk about ghosts from the perspective that he wrote about them in his books and that he definitely was somebody who put forward the idea of reading ghost stories as a part of your Christmas Eve celebrations. But I had no idea that his ghost actually could be wandering somewhere. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, very cool. We have a couple of reviews to share from iTunes. The first one is Cage Cage, I believe, is how you say this. Great five stars. Love to listen with my knitting and coffee. Good hosts, good content. Well, thank you. And we're glad that you're knitting. And drinking coffee. Well, whatever about the coffee. But I like the knitting. And our other one is from Diz. Love, love, love this show. Five stars. I absolutely love this podcast. Diane and Denise are so personable that they are more like friends instead of just voices on my iPod. I love the way they describe the locations and take you there. Keep up the great work. History and hauntings, two of my favorite things. Well, thank you for that. Greatly appreciate it. We want to thank all of you for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producers, Richard Tyrell, Jojo Jensen, and Rebecca. And thank you to John Venezia for upping his donation. Thanks. Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. We would greatly appreciate your review at iTunes as well to help the show grow. Thank you.